Hello and welcome to Detroit Is This, a podcast that brings you Detroit stakeholders, innovators, and change makers. If you enjoy today's episode, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a review and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And head over to our website, DetroitIsThis.com. Back now to your host, Ivana Kalafatic. Matt Ishbia, CEO of United Wholesale Mortgage. Um, I don't know, maybe about a, a month ago or so, I'm sort of scrolling through LinkedIn, reading all this great content that's out there, and you're popping up all over the place. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I should be reaching out to Matt and seeing what's uh, what's driving you and where where you guys are at. So you reached out and your team reached out. You guys are awesome. And uh, complete follow-up, so professional, so exciting. I wanted to take some time with you, number one, to congratulate you on all the amazing um, advancements. You went public recently uh, with, uh, with the company, and uh, congratulations. We'd love to hear a little bit more about that. We're excited about it. Thank you very much. A huge deal. I mean, coming out of uh, Pontiac, Michigan, and doing the work that you're doing, so really, we wanted to take some time to learn a little bit about you, what, what, what gets you going, uh, what keeps you and, and motivates you on a daily basis, but also on the, on the business that you have. You clearly can't be doing what you're doing uh, alone. You must have an incredible team uh, of people and a motivator yourself of that team. So before we get into that, love to hear a little bit about you. And there's context with um, Michigan State and basketball for those of us that have uh, uh, known about you in your past. And moving into United Wholesale Mortgage, I think 03 or so, becoming an account exec, and then of course CEO around 213. So if you can give us a little bit of background on, on you, we'd love to hear. Yeah, no, I'll give a quick background. Thanks, and I'm glad to be here with you and talking. And um, you know, just in a quick version of you know. Grew up here in Metro Detroit, um, played high school basketball, eventually got a chance to, um, after graduating high school, play, be a preferred walk on a Michigan State's basketball team. I got a chance to play for Tom Izzo. Um, awesome. My first three years were three Final Fours, three Big Ten championships, and national championships. I got there the best time. I'm not very good. I was at the end of the bench, um, but I was on a great team with great players and a great coach. And so it was great experience. Was there for a total of five years, including the last year where I coached with, it, with the coaches. And I learned so much about how like I wasn't planning on going and coaching. I wasn't good enough to go to the NBA. So let's go to basketball. Let's go coach and uh, learn from Izzo, who I think is one of the best 10 people in the world at what he does. And uh, decided to, instead of going to college basketball route, to go into the business world where my father had started. My father's an attorney. He doesn't work here, never has worked here, but he has a couple small businesses. And one of them was a small mortgage company that he started in 1986. And I, I became the 12th person here at UWM in 2003. And kind of started learning the business and learn the business from the ground up, making $18,000 a year to start, kind of building the business, learning everything, asking a million questions, coming in early, staying late, and really learn the business from the ground up. And uh, over the, the that, those 10 years of, we went from 12 people to, you know, almost a thousand people, maybe a little more than that by the time I became the CEO and, and then uh, in 2013. And, and then we kind of grew it from there, uh, from 2013 to now we're 8,500 team members here, uh, in Pontiac, Michigan, um, one building or really two buildings connected by a bridge, but one awesome campus, obviously in COVID, you know, most people are working from home, but besides that, we're here together as a team and as a family. And, uh, we're the number two overall mortgage company in the country right behind rocket mortgage. And we're the number one wholesale lender, which is our sector 
for six consecutive years. So we've really, you know, we've, we've passed all the big players that have been there and we're proud of what we've done. And as you said at the beginning, you know, it's not Matt doing this. It's I got a great team of people. I got 8,500 amazing people. I got great leaders around me. They all make me look a lot better than I really am, which works out good for me. And, uh, and so that's really who I am and what I'm about. I've, I'm a single father of three children. I've got 10, seven and six year old boy, girl, boy, and coach their sports on the weekends. And besides that, that's all I do. I work and I play with my kids and, and live life. Um, I mean, we're, we're, <laughs> we're going to even move after that. You, a lot of people would say, listen, I don't necessarily want to go into a business that maybe my dad might be involved in, and it may be not be something that I want to go into because of X, Y, Z reasons. Even going back to that, I mean, how did you, from a, I guess, a family perspective or a uh, values perspective, is there something that was instilled in you and maybe it came from Michigan State, maybe it came from your dad, from your school, was there something that was instilled in you to kind of take that on, uh, that responsibility, also building something from almost from a beginning stage into something much greater that happened to be part of your family business? Yeah, so a couple of things. One, my father and I are so close. We've been close my whole life. My brother, my mother, my father. I have a great family. I'm very lucky and blessed to uh, be part of the family with them. And, and so everything's great with that. But the, the, the difference between me and most others is a lot of times you go work for your uncle, your brother, your brother. Like my dad doesn't work here. He never worked here. So it was really like he happened to own it. But there's people that were running the company that I worked for. I reported to those people. My, I, my, you know, my father never has an office here, never had one. Um, even until, even since when I bought the company from him, he's never had one then before or after. And so he's a little bit, he's more, he's an attorney. He's, great. he's just a serial entrepreneur. He owns a hotel here and a restaurant here and a title company here. And he gets involved with 18 he different- He you out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, it, so that's maybe a little different dynamic than other people come in and work for their father or brother or, or sister or mother, that they're there all day, every day. And you kind of had that thing. It was kind of a separate thing. And I wasn't really- uh, connected with him on a, on a on an hourly or daily basis, if you think of it that way. And then building out the business, you know, mid 2000s, 02 to or 03 to 213. I mean, that was also that 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 crux within the market. Obviously, there was the big fall that we had in 08 up through 212. Um, some people would say that there that there were implications because of the mortgage uh, uh, businesses that were on the market that there was some fallout due to that. Also, I'm talking nationally and internationally, especially nationally on the on the market side. You know, the responsibility that you have as a company, you're really building out um, the opportunity for people to have homes, not just houses, but to build. A home within that house is it was some of that thinking sort of instilled in 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 the vision of United Wholesale Mortgage. Yeah, so absolutely. So a couple of things with that. So you know, obviously, two thousand three, four, five, six, seven—the years that I just got to the company. Those are the boom years in the mortgage. Everyone was doing all yeah. this. But you know, to give my father credit, you know, when when I got there, you know, he he said, "Hey, listen, we don't do all mortgages. We're not doing loans to make a commission. Like we're going to only lend to people that can pass back." And so. We really never got involved with the subprime loans. That's one of the things I give my father the most credit for because I didn't know any better back then. He said, no, don't do those loans. Stick to conventional and FHA and VA loans. And so all those boom years, we were actually weren't doing that much business. We were actually struggling. Hmm. Uh, and then when the crash hit, all the companies that were doing the wrong type of loans, not doing things right away, focused on making money rather than doing right, they all went away. 
And then the company like us was sitting there and saying, okay, now there's an opportunity to grow and capitalize. And so we take our job very seriously. As I said, we're the number two overall mortgage company in America. You know, one out of every 20 loans in America comes here. One out of every 10 purchases comes through us. So we're making the American dream come true in a lot of respects. And we have to do a heck of a job every single day and make the process. You know, I joke about it that I'm in the mortgage business. I'm going I'm run a pretty large company that nobody wants my product. Nobody wants a mortgage. They want the house, you know? And so well, we have to make the process fast, easy, and cheap. And if I can't do that, they don't want to be associated with me. If it takes 60 days and it's honky, no one wants to deal with that. They, it, it, so we make it, we, don't, we make it a fast, easy, cheap process. So that was the game plan and the strategy was how do we really serve this? And now we really know our place in America where, you know, so many mortgages are going through UWM. People can't buy the house unless UWM is here to help and make that process smooth and efficient. So we're, we're proud of that opportunity. And it, it really is a rallying cry for our 8,500 people because it's not like we're selling water bottles. Not that there's anything wrong with yeah. that. We're, we're, we're making an impact every day. Yeah, you're building lives in, in so many ways. I mean, that home is is, is a life, obviously, and lives for, for families. And the fact that <laughs> the two largest mortgage uh, uh, companies in the states are based in Michigan. I mean, what what are the chances of that happening? And then where does that fit sort of, clearly you have to be competitive to be where you're at now. I mean, where does that fit sort of within your mindset also and having you know a competitor down the street from you too? Yeah, you know what? I think a couple of it ties to, you know, a lot of great hardworking people in Metro Detroit, you know, and so yeah. Midwest mentality of hard work, positive attitude, I think that's helped drive um, both our mortgage company and, uh, you know, Rocket Mortgage downtown. Um, you know, they're number one, we're number two right now. I, I have a lot of goals. I'm very competitive. You'll figure that out about me. And I don't have written on my board, if you want my office, that says be the number two overall mortgage company. It's not one of the goals, you know, so we will become number one. It's just a matter of when and the grind every day to get there. And when we get to number one, we'll be number one by more. And we'll continue to work towards it every day, but we'll never sacrifice who we are. And I tell people this all the time, there's People have said, hey, if you do this, you can become number one right now. I said, listen, we're not doing the same type of loans. I'm not doing low credit score loans or riskier loans that maybe Rocket Mortgage or other companies might do. That's not who we are. I'd rather be number 38 and do it the right way than be number one and maybe not. So we're going to do it the right way that we've always done it. And we're going to keep working every day to grow our business. Out of the three points that you mentioned uh, for individuals that are, that are, that are interested in, in getting a, a home loan through you, is there one that supersedes the other? For example, is is being fast on your end superseding price? Do you notice or vice versa? Yeah, so no. So if people want to get a mortgage, the key messaging is go to findamortgagebroker.com. Mortgage brokers are cheaper than retail. So you can talk about, you can, this is not opinion, this is fact. You can call Wells Fargo, call Chase, call Rocket Mortgage. You call Johnny Smith Mortgage Broker. Even after Johnny Smith Mortgage Broker is paid, he's lower rate than all three of those lenders. No questions asked, not even a discussion. Everyone knows it. So if you go to a broker, you're going to get cheaper. And then what UWM's job is, is to be the fastest, easiest option for the mortgage broker. A lot of times the broker doesn't bring it to us. That's okay. But the broker can do it cheaper. And, and cheap is important because people don't want to pay too much on a mortgage. It's probably the biggest payment people make every month. But also people don't want to be go through a headache and get 88 different times going back and looking for tax returns and pay stuff and these things so, many off, so often. So findamortgagebroker.com is where you go. You might end up with us. You might end up with other lenders, but the key is you need to make it fast, easy, and cheap. The broker is cheaper. And for the for the, for the for what we focus on is how to make it seamless, fast, and easy, because it already is cheap if you come through the wholesale channel, which is what we do. 
So some of what we've got on, on our back, and we do a lot on the digital side, we do a lot of in, integrated systems and sort of more some uh, strategic thinking and uh, implementation of integrated systems for different industries. And uh, not being a, a, a B2C, which you're not, as far as I understand, you're, you're a B2B. And to find that um, systematic approach that makes sense, easy to understand, you're really multiplying your, your results base uh, exponentially because you have a third party ultimately, right? That, that's selling you, but they also need to understand how to sell you, which that's a challenge in many, many scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. And so for business to business, what, you know, a big part of our job is we have to understand what the end consumer wants, which is yeah. house. But I also have to understand what that loan officer, the mortgage broker wants yeah. and teach them how to be successful. Because what I say all the time is if they don't grow, we have no chance. And so right. we have to help them succeed. They don't know that they should invest in technology. So you know what we do? We built the technology and give it to them. They don't know how to market. So we don't, we do a Super Bowl commercial and do a findamortgagebroker.com, help educate them. We have to be their champion, helping them succeed and excel. And if we don't, then they won't. And so that's a big part. We have 50,000 loan officers throughout America, 50,000 individuals, which is about 12,000 companies, small businesses throughout America that we help power by helping them with their technology, their marketing, making sure they look good so that when they close a loan that for their kid's baseball coach, that their baseball coach says, wow, that was easy. You should talk to my sister. She needs a loan. We help her get referrals. And that's how we help these grow businesses grow. When they rely on UWM, we help them succeed. And that's how we grow. It's, a, it's like localizing, you know, the story component of who you are and what the delivery system is, but really integrating it into their mindset so that they feel that they're, that they've got your back as much as you have their back. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. And when they realize that they know we're all in and we're, we're tied at the hip, we win when they win. And so we're all rowing the boat in the same direction. When you get into this ideation phase, let's say, because you're constantly just not only ideating, but you also have to implement on, on whatever that ideation structure is. Who Walk us through for those of us that have smaller companies and entrepreneurs that are starting out uh, that are part of our audience also, kind of walk us through like, what is a structure? So for example, um, John Smith on your team comes up with some idea that presumably uh, they're coming to, to, they're looking to come to market with. What sort of a flow, what happens within the organization? Is there a sit down on a sort of regular basis every Monday that, you know, all ideas are put out on the table? Is it a sort of whiteboard session? What happens in order to execute on innovation within uh, United? So there's What's the process in a short, yeah. So there's two things I would say. First thing is we have a process here. We call it brilliant ideas where we want our team members to what we call challenge the why, ask questions, Come up with new ideas because we've got 8,500 people. I'm not coming up with all these ideas. We've got a lot of great people that come up with these ideas. And so how do we get the ideas from our team members about, gosh, you know, our broker said this, could we do it this way? And so that's one way we go through it. There's a brilliant ideas process where we get ideas from our team members and our clients, to be clear. Uh, mm -hmm. Same kind of thing. Give, tell us what we can do better. Give us ideas. But then on top of it, what I would recommend for other leaders and what I feel one of my strengths are, along with my leadership team strength are, is staying in the weeds of the business. I'm, I'm not, you know, 30,000 feet up. I'm not even 10,000 feet up. I'm, I'm, I'm the ground level. I walk and ask our clients what's going on. I talk to our team members and I say, I don't ask the leader, the VP of sales. I'll go ask the, the, the sales rep AE that's been here seven months. So why isn't that broker using us? what they say? Who they use? Why are they using it? And say, wow, well, we could do that. Did you think about this? Okay, you know, 
That's how you come up with ideas. You have to be in the weeds of your business to actually figure out what you need. And you have to truly understand what your customer wants. And so if you're in the weeds and you know what your customer wants, you'll find that out and then you'll be able to deliver it. And then we innovate. We have over a thousand tech people here. We're building stuff all day by ourselves. We're not waiting for some vendor to come out with it. We're coming up with our own stuff that helps you know, differentiate our clients or differentiate ourselves to our clients. Was there a turning point that you said, um, I now know that we're ready to grow? There was a moment in time, you know, for example, on our ends of various businesses that I've had in, in, in my past, media-based, digitally-based, I th there were a couple of points that I literally saw, and I when I look back and reflected on it, but I literally saw it, this was a turning point. I either need to now bring in investors, I need to either now build in more of a team. So there was a turning point for me. Did you see that within a certain amount of time that you just knew, yeah, you know, this is gonna boom and we're gonna we're gonna go out. You know, I don't know if I saw like there's a couple of different decisions and things we made that kind of helped push the trajectory of our company into the level that we're at today. But but one of the things that you're maybe referencing, like one of the things that when we were going into, you know, we were back then, there was a there's different business lanes, and we made the decision to say, mm -hmm. hey, we're only gonna do one thing, wholesale. Very important. You know, and talk, so talk about that. Talk about that. I'm gonna just interrupt you because that is that is so key. Please expand on that. So the so in the mortgage business places, they've been like rock most of our competitors, they do retail, they do wholesale, they do a lot of different things. And they try to be everything to everyone or good at a lot instead of the best at one. And we said, listen, can we change the dynamic? Our company? First off, I decided and we decided that the best place for a consumer to get a mortgage is a mortgage broker. Like that's facts. The end consumer should go through the broker. So let's put all of our resources towards that and go all in. And then what we found was just the focus, the singular focus of the company. Where we're not distracted here. I'm not sitting here. Well, should we open up a title company? Should we open up a appraisal company? Should we do this? Should we always, what should we do with this? What else? Like I'm singular focus. Let's dominate this channel. Let's get 8,500 people focused on one thing. And that singular focus has really, I think, catapulted our business and helped us. And so I think if I reflect back, the understanding of what the end consumer was best for them and best for the loan officers, we made that decision. And then we went all in on it. And and it's okay to be wrong, but the way I look at it is I'm going a million miles per hour at the decision I make. And if I make the wrong one, I'll turn and change. But sometimes people sit there and kind of, well, what about this? What if this happened? And you start thinking about 88 what ifs rather than let's go dominate. And if something happens, we'll change, we'll, we'll, we'll modify. And so uh, the singular focus was a big deal. Presumably you've got at this point, obviously tons of data, but also back when you were starting, there was probably a lot of gut instincts. That's in some level uh, as you were, you know, 03 and, and those those years up to probably six, seven, eight, I'm guessing. Um, you personally, are you driven by a gut instinct? Are you driven by data as a as Matt? Yeah, it's definitely not data. Um, <laughs> so, you know, my team will laugh if they say, I mean, I. I go with what I feel. I'm, I, I'm, I know the data and I get involved with things, but I, I'm instinct and I'm in the weeds of the business. So I'm really client focused. What's our clients need and what our team members need. And I make decisions very quickly. And, and I decide quick. One of the things you, you, I decide very quickly and we go, we do not sit here and talk about it for nine months. We'll talk about it, but it's like 19 minutes. And then we're going with a new idea in a different direction. And we're going to try And if it's wrong, we'll switch back. And so um, I have data, we look at data, but the reality is what I learned, one of the big lessons I learned is 
when I was became CEO and I made the decision we're going all in and wholesale, I had our warehouse partners, all these big mega banks, everyone in the industry saying, you can't do that. The broker channel is only 13% of the business. You're missing out on 87%. And I said, well, we'll grow it. And it's, now it's at 20% the broker channel. So we're only playing 20% of the pie. But the reality is this, the, that was the right decision, but everyone said we were going the wrong way. And I had people say, we're our partners that said they wouldn't work with us because we're doing the wrong thing. They thought that you should, you have to have all the channels, you have to be diversified. And so what is the data on that? The data probably supported them, but they were wrong. My instinct were that's best for the consumer, best for LOs. We're going that way. And you have to have that confidence to make that decision. And it's okay to be wrong, but we weren't wrong on that one. So you're at 18% now, uh, you're, you're, you're at number two was 18% of the market, upwards of 20% of the market on the, on the mortgage brokerage side. Um, and you're doing as well as you are. Is that did I get that correct? So, so the 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 mortgage bro the mortgage market is 80% through retail, yeah. 20% through wholesale. Play, yeah. Number one lender, Quicken Loans, Rocket Mortgage plays in the whole hundred percent. They get yeah. loans from everyone. We only play in the 20%. And that's and what I'm saying. You're number two. And we're yeah. number bigger than Wells Fargo and Chase and Bank of America. Unbelievable. 20%. So as that as our channel grows to 30 or 35%. We have like, we have a massive market share. We're the largest in that our space, by we have like 35, 36% of, of the 20%, if you think of it that way. Yeah. But 20% grows, we're going to keep growing with it. And so that's part of the strategy where everyone else is already kind of at an end game. They have the whole pie they're playing in and they are who they are. We're, we're, we have a chance to grow our pie. Uh, estimated net revenue of approximately, I believe, 4.7 billion for 2021 is, is uh, what I have read. And you recently went public. <laughs> That's was this ever in your in your dreams something that you would have envisioned that this is what you would have built out? Was this your goal? Was your goal to make you know the this company the size that it is? No. Or is this just beyond any comprehension? Yeah, no, it was, it, the goal is to win today and then win again tomorrow. And of course I set yeah. some goals and we set some bit, pretty lofty goals that we beat really, really handily, you know? And, you know, I'm real big on set a goal, set it out for this year, set it out for three years and then work your butt off every day, stay in the weeds and then look up and see where you're at. And, you know, and we went, we went well beyond it. There's never a time, even, even if you wanted to go back two years ago to 2000 or three years ago, 2018, that I ever said we would ever go public or ever even do a hundred billion, let alone we did 182 billion in 2020. Like these numbers, we never even imagined being in this, at this level. It wasn't part of the plan. It still wasn't part of the plan. The plan is just to win today, get better today. What can I do to move it, gain an inch today to get us better? So much of that stemming through through you and your vision, clearly it's so much of your mindset, this idea of pushing forward, this idea of exploring and innovating, and presumably also really backing yourself up with an incredible team. What do you think are the top two, three things that you look for within uh, leaders within the organization? You just say, yeah, this is, this is, the, this is the person. Yeah. So a couple of things I'm real big on, you know, I, so a lot of the growth, if not the great, great, great majority of the growth is because of my team. And so first off, in order to have a great team, you got to be a great leader. You got to treat people the right way. You got to care about people. You got to, you got to show them that you care so that they care about you and the business as well. And so that that's a big part of it. what I look for in my leaders 
you know, first off, work ethic and attitude is 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 is, is a given, and we require that. That that's all I care about of our 8,500 people. You can be your right work ethic. You drive and grind and want to get better, and you have a positive. Attitude. I don't care if you went to college, you went to high school, you didn't graduate from anywhere. It doesn't matter to me. All I care about is work ethic and attitude. Then to take it to the leadership level, it's you know you have to be so in tune with your team and the processes being in the weeds of your business like we talked about earlier is so key and you have to also we call it burn the boat which means you got to be all in you got to be all in for uwm if you want to lead people that they have a positive attitude work ethic we talk about that but you got to say listen we're going all in we're, we're, we're going to make this happen we're going to figure it out together as a team because people uh you know glean that from you if you're not and so those are a couple things i like we're being in the weeds being all in with uwm and at the same time, people, I talk about positive work ethic, but also on top of that, you have to be a great communicator and collaborator. Like, you know, I don't care who makes a decision. I don't care if it was yours or someone else's, but communicating to everyone through the organization or on your team, why we decided to do that and make them feel like they were part of the decision, which is they should be. But if they weren't, what do you think about this? What's your idea on this? And if you think about those ideas and get their thoughts, you're gonna win. So communicate and collaborate. Great work ethic and attitude is, 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 is required, but being in the weeds and burn the boats are things that we think about. Do you have, um, I don't know, workshops or support support sort of programs that you offer to your teams that you think are really worthwhile or thought-provoking, especially on the communication side, because I, I can't agree more. I mean, to really be able to communicate and communicate your story well internally and externally is, is key to make or break. Do you have some kind of tools that you guys implement or, or some you know, yeah. expert maybe that you bring in that sort of you have these sort of workshops you guys go through? Yeah, so we have a whole leadership training group. So all of our leaders, we have 700 leaders, which means you lead six people or more and or six people in your tree, if you think of it that way. Mm-hmm. And we have a we have leadership training. Everyone's got to go through leadership initial training. Everyone's got to go through a boot camp when they become a leader. We promote from within almost, I think 95% of our leaders are promoted from within. So very rarely do I hire someone from outside, but everyone's goes through these trainings. We have um, different real scenario trainings where like nine of us leaders get in a room and talk about this happened. How would you handle it? How would you handle it? And we have leadership coaches, you know, so, you know, actually one of my old teammates from Michigan State basketball, Mateen Cleves, who was the star player there. He's one of our top leadership coaches, which he's he's coaching leaders. He sits down with me for 30 minutes every quarter. Hey, here's what we got to do. We're coaching our leaders just like you got to coach team members because not everyone leads the same way. We also have our our belief system of our leaders. We have 12 different behaviors that our leaders must exude and we train and coach on those things. And so it doesn't just happen where everyone just knows how to do these things. Like you actually have to teach people and coach them. And then we get surveys on where they stand and we coach them up on those things. What are the actions to get better? It's a whole process. It's not just like, hey, now these people report to you, go manage them. Like we don't talk like that. That's not what we do. So you're pretty uh, goal oriented all the way down throughout the whole company, clearly. Every aspect, every month, every one of our leaders has different responsibilities they have to do, and we measure them. Hey, did you give, did you recognize your team members? How do we recognize that? How do we know if they did? Did they give a certain amount of kudos? And we have an internal system we can track that stuff. Like, did you shadow someone? Are you an expert? Are you in the weeds? Like, we have different metrics, and everyone knows what they've got to do every single day. I can tell you just on our end on the communication side with your team, the thoroughness and the accessibility, which I mean, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, it, it, within the speed of what we had within communicating with you is, I don't know when the last time was that we experienced something as professional and as exciting, really. I love hearing that. I'll, I'll make sure that I share with them because, you know, that's our team executing at a high level and, and, and really living our culture, which is 
we, we give great service no matter what role you are. We want to respond to people and be accessible and, 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 and hopefully it works out great. I'm glad I get that great feedback. No, it was, it's excellent. So you're in um, Pontiac, for those that don't know, Pontiac, Michigan is a automotive, maybe automotive manufacturing is also around the corner from you guys. There's a lot of uh, uh, factories also nearby. Um, there is a suburban uh, lifestyle, let's say it's, uh, it's outside of Detroit for, for listeners that don't know uh, the city. Um, there's also a lot of um, opportunity to, to help support the local community. And I think from what I've been reading and hearing, you, you, you United, you're pretty big on giving and giving back within the community. Um, there's a whole obviously discussion, of course, within uh, Detroit and what's going on with downtown, putting aside the, the pandemic and the crisis that we'll get into in a second. But what are some of the things um, that you're doing either within Pontiac or within Detroit? Uh, I know that you've got some pretty cool uh, programs going on, on, on the giving side, on, um, on you know, supporting the community. Yeah, so we're, we're real big on taking care, you know, we're very blessed, we have, we're doing well at our business. And obviously besides that, how hard of a time it is right now in all of America, um, but beyond that, just always doing right. Doing right by the community. Pontiac's a community that, could, that needs a little bit of help here and there and, and some love. And we do a lot of things to help Pontiac. From you, you can go from, but and then beyond that, not just Pontiac, Metro Detroit. So we're very loyal and hopeful to all of Metro Detroit, the tri-county area. Like, how do we really make an impact in this area? Um, we we have different programs. We have a thing called Pay It Forward. So one of the things here is, as team members do great work, they get mm-hmm. paid forward points, and then they can pick where our charitable money goes. So a different, uh, you know, they're they're passionate about a, a veterinary clinic. These guys are passionate about homeless people, like whatever it may be. And so our team members can direct the funds that we give towards charity. Mm-hmm. On top of that, we're doing a lot of things for the kids. So my mother was a teacher here in Pontiac for 25 years. And so we do a lot of things for kids. Um, we're looking at building a community center, which I, I just purchased a, a, an opportunity for us to do that. And so we can make impact on kids in a local community, helping kids get a chance. And then during the pandemic, a small thing we've been doing, which is, you know, we saw so many of our friends and family members that own restaurants and are involved with restaurants been struggling. And so for a while there, we were just buying, you know, a couple thousand dollars a day of food from restaurants and delivering them to homeless shelters and just trying to help two groups at once. And then we expanded that to where now, you know, we got so much support from that. that so many more people want to, you know, need help. And so we're helping more and more. So we extend that and doing more and more of that. And so doing a lot of things, we, we, we got tax incentives, like every other major corporation that goes to a place. And we gave them the millions of dollars back to the city. We said, we don't want the money. You use it for the schools or kids. And so we're very big on do what's right. A lot of things we do, and I gave a couple of those because some of those things are to me. A lot of things we also do, we don't talk about because we just do right. It's not, it's not to get a pat on the back. It's not to get people to write a nice article about us. It's to do the right thing because mm-hmm. doing the right thing feels good. And that's what we do here at UWM. Who instilled those values in you? Is there a person or a mindset? You know, my mother and father, you know, both of them. My, my father's very giving, always do right by others. Don't worry about yours. Like, like my whole life, you know, from my father, and then a lot of from Izzo too, but on the, it's not about, you know, one of my philosophies here and one of our philosophies is we don't focus on money. We don't focus on how much money we make. We focus on winning, being successful, money follows success. Do right and good things happen. That's how I was raised. Like help people out. Do right by those people. You don't, it doesn't, you don't have to get everything. Do right and good things come back. And that's how we've built things here at UWM. That's how we've built our business. And that's what we do in the community. So inspirational. Um, on the crisis and 
maybe even placemaking since you are in Pontiac and you really you really are infiltrated boots on the ground you're, you're feeling the pain that everybody's going through obviously in different sort of uh, calibers now um what are what are maybe a couple of things that you think would be key takeaways um for business moving past now presumably we're, we're sort of hopefully past the worst of this um you know how should people be looking at future of their business or investment cycles or innovating or thinking of new things on a business side as we move through this, the crisis of the pandemic. Do you have some um, thoughts to share with us? You know, what, what I think about that is like, I, everyone thinks about business differently. What I think about is, you know, with the pandemic, what the pandemic showed us is that things come out of nowhere. You gotta be prepared. And so when, when starting a business, you got to be involved with it and you got to know your stuff inside out because you know what? Things can sucker punch you. The COVID sucker punches everybody. No one was expecting, no one, I didn't have a COVID-19 plan at the company a year, uh-huh. right? Like it just wasn't. So how are you prepared for the random things? But the way you win that stuff is by being so in the weeds, so connected to your client. I think too often people start thinking about their process and their, their, their strategy and their financing rather than thinking about what does your client want and what are they giving you money for? And if you go to the very core in our business, our client wants that house and they don't want the dang mortgage. Nobody wants a mortgage. So what do we got to do for them? We got to make it fast, easy, and affordable. How do we do that? Boom. And I, I know if I can make it faster, easier, and cheaper, all the end consumers are going to be happy. And so now what do I got to do to make that happen? So for business people, whether you're starting a business, or you're building a business, or you already have a great business, is what is the end consumer paying you for? What do they really want? And then your business around that. And I do the same thing because you know I could even argue that I have three consumers: the consumer, I understand that, then my my actual customer, the broker who works with me, but then my team members. I got 8,500 people. Without those people, I got no shot. And so I literally think about those three sections and say. What do team members want? They want opportunity to grow. Well, 95% of my promotions came from with internal. Like, okay, they want, you know, what, what do they want? They want to have a work-life balance. So we, we do, like, so I think about all those things. So focus on the consumer, your consumer, and do what they need and what they're paying you for. And if you can deliver that, you're going to end up winning. Hmm. How easy is that to implement? <laughs> well, is it what? easy? It's, it's a lot easier than you think because you got to do is you got to tear away all the barriers. So like, I don't know what, what you're, if you, let's think about a dry cleaner. I mean, I can think of any business or, you know, what is the dry cleaner? He, want, he wants or she wants people to come to them and, and deliver their dry cleaning so they can clean their shirts, whatever it may be, right? Okay, well, what really matters to them? They want it back fast. They don't want it to be too expensive. They don't want it to be a hassle because nobody wants to go back. How do I make it easier for them? How do I go drop it off and deliver it? Can I create, create a delivery? So like start thinking about what that consumer needs and then build your business around that. Not because, well, nobody does that. Everyone just does it this way. Well, if you do it the way everyone else does it, you're going to be like everybody else and probably be average. If you want to be great, you got to do things differently. So it really comes down to, in, in your mind, and I'm sure for many successful people, finding your different niche. So you've published, uh, you've been published, you've written books, um, you've had the success that you have. You have a family, you have your children. What's a work-life balance look like for Matt Ishbio? What What does a day look, what's a Wednesday look like in your in your life? Yeah, so I'm a, I got two things in my life, my kids in my office, right? And so I take care of those things and those are my priorities. 
most days I try to be in the office by 4 a.m. So I have a nanny that lives with me that takes care of my kids in the morning, gets them on the bus. There's a, there's a, you know, one day a week where I actually will stay home, work from home and actually take them to breakfast and drive them to school. That's my day with my kids. And in the morning, I don't get to work till 7.30, but I work from home from 4 to 6.30 until they wake up. But 4, four to 7 or 4 to 8 in the morning is like my grind time. No one bothers me, no meetings, nothing but focus, strategy, making decisions, shooting out kudos, recognizing our team members, doing all those things from 4 to 8. Then most of the day I'm in meetings, getting opportunities to speak with people like yourself, which is a great opportunity, talking to our team members, being in the weeds of the business, making decisions, coming up with new technology or sitting in technology demos and giving my thoughts on it. And then I try to get home, um, you know, most nights by between six and 6.30, have dinner with my kids. And then 6.30 to 8.30, I put my phone down, I put, or, I, or I keep it with me, I put it in airplane mode. So I'm not getting emails and texts. I'm taking pictures of my kids. We're playing, you know, I was last night we went and I buried my kids and they buried me in the snow last night. Like we do fun things every night. And then we do a movie night and go to bed. You know, I'm asleep by 9.15 every night because if I wake up at 3.15, 3.30, I'm still getting six hours, uh, but every day consistently. And the way I think about it is, you know, you don't have to work that many hours to be successful, but the way I realize I'm not as smart as most people and I'm not, I didn't have as much money as most people. So I had to outwork everybody. That was the one thing I could do to get to where I'm at. And it doesn't happen over a month of doing this. I did this for 18 years at this company to try to get to this level and I'm still doing it. Now I'm pushing even harder because, you know, you can never relax or someone else will come by and uh, take our business. Hmm. So uh, <laughs> you don't sleep <laughs> or in a regulated time frame. And you're up really pre pre dawn. Yeah, well, I get six hours of sleep, and I drink a lot of water, as you'll see. But the uh, you know, I never drink coffee or anything like that. But also, the one thing I will mention is I try to not come in my office on Saturdays and Sundays. I work from home, but I'm with my kids. I coach all their sports. I coach three games of basketball on Saturdays and football on Sundays with my kids. And so I'm coaching their sports, involved in their lives. So I try to give that. I try to separate those times. Either I'm all in here or I'm all in there, and that's what I try to do. Learning from successful people like you, um, organization, focus on what you have, tasks that you have at hand, and being able to fit in uh, the things you want to do throughout your day, primarily with your family, are really keys to having a successful life. It, it, it's 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 sacrifice. You got to choose what's most success, most important to you. Like I don't I don't watch TV, and and I I, I like TV by the way. I like watching stuff. I don't want like I had to choose to sacrifice yeah. sleep, kids, work. I can't, I don't have time for my, I'm not the most, so I don't have the most biggest social life. I don't have the biggest, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't watch two hour shows on TV or, you know, I just don't have that. You have to pick, you know, if you choose, you, like I always say success is a choice. If you choose to be successful, then you gotta, you gotta do all the things that come along with that, which means you gotta sacrifice other things. And some people can be successful by working eight hours a day and being with their kids and their wives or husbands and watching TV. That's success is diff, uh, you know, measured differently. Success is happiness. What makes you happy? And so what makes me happy is my kids and, and, and running this business. So three takeaways as we, as we wrap up um, from you for keeping an innovative mindset. And as we're moving again past COVID um, and as we're looking at the marketplace with, with Detroit and cities like Detroit and Pontiac that are really aiming to grow um, their, their, their assets that they have more and more as the years go on. Um, three takeaways from an innovative mindset from somebody that's obviously success. Um, what would you say would be the three things innovatively thinking about as you start your day for entrepreneurs and leaders and business owners in the, in the area? Well, so from an innovative perspective, I think you got to have your 
alone time as in like mine's four to 8 a.m. Like if you want to be thinking about things, you can't be being pulled in eight different, like, I know some people like working from home. Like if you got kids and dogs and everything running around, like how do you get focused? What do you do for like, you need some focus time. Maybe it's four hours for like it is for me. Maybe it's two hours, maybe it's 30 minutes. But if you want to be innovative and do different things, one thing is get your alone time, get your focus. I call it my grind time, my grind time where I'm going to grind and outwork everyone like, and think about things and be So, and then the second thing I would say, the, the second takeaway is, is be so tied into your consumer and in the weeds of your business. Do not think that you can just kind of, you know, figure that out. Or like, I don't outsource anything to anybody. Like I, there's nothing that's that I'm not involved with um, and, and, and making decisions with doesn't mean I make all decisions. It means I know what's going on and we have a big company. You can be very involved. And so you want to be innovative because that's how I get my ideas. I'm sitting there talking to a client that does two loans a month with us. We do 60,000. It's not, they're not a big client by any means. And they say something that just doesn't make sense to me. And all of a sudden it triggers like a whole nother thought. And then we start a whole program based off this thought. <laughs> and we and our business blows up based on a conversation I had with a guy that was doing two loans a month was wasn't even relevant. Right? So, like, so th those are two things I would think about is being in the weeds and then obviously get your grind time. And the third thing is be positive, you know, innovative, be like, have fun, have fun. Yeah. yeah. People sit there and stress out about everything. Like be positive. Like I know there's a lot of tough things going on in the world and in your life and in my life, but you know, I choose to focus on the great ones. And so if you're positive, good things come to good people that are thinking about good things. It's just positivity is a big deal. Everyone else likes to be down on everything. I'm, I'm not down on anything. You tell me a lot of things. I'm going to be pretty positive about almost everything that comes my way. Isn't that true? You're walking down the street and if you're just smiling at somebody, you're going to get some reciprocation back on that. It's so true. Absolutely. It's so true. Matt, I mean, this could continue for, for ages on my end. Thanks so much for your time and for your insight and for uh, sharing how you've become a little bit of what you've done up to this point and how you've become uh, who you are in the company itself. We're big fans and um, look forward to hearing and learning and, and sharing more of uh, you and United Wholesale Mortgage. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Enjoy spending time with you as well and look forward to seeing you again soon. Super. Sounds good. Thanks, Thank Matt. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Detroit Is This. Remember to like, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. And tune in next week for more conversations from the city that moves the world.